Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, goody, it's Pride Month. This should be fun. We'll talk about that tonight. The Biden administration still screwing everything up and a tribute to me. All that's coming up on I'm Right. Great news. It's Pride Month. I mean, not that you didn't know. It's what, uh, 9 o'clock Eastern time right now? So you're probably well aware it's Pride Month. After all, you can't buy Oreos anymore without getting blasted in the, blasted in the face with this crap everywhere you go. Pardon the pun there. Don't do that. That's immature. But why is this, why is this a thing now? Why is it everywhere we look, we have to be just drowning in this filth? Why did this become a thing? Whose fault is this? How did we get here? Well, it's my fault. It's your fault, too. And look, don't beat yourself up over it. We did this. We allowed this to happen. I get, I get all these questions all the time. Jesse, how could such a tiny minority take over every part of the society? I mean, how could this happen? It's everywhere. I mean, we'll go into some of that here in a minute, but how could this happen? Well, 
It happens because they were more committed to their religion than we were to ours. It's not more complicated than that. How could a tiny minority worm its way into both American parties, the education system, Hollywood, corporate America, professional sports, much, much more? How could they take over absolutely everything? Well, they wanted to spread their message more than you wanted to stop them and spread yours, more than I wanted to stop them and spread mine. I'm not pointing fingers. It's our fault. We let a tiny minority of cultural Marxist radicals take over every good and decent thing in this country. And we did it by being nice, by being hands off. Hey, live and let live. Hey, do whatever you want. Hey, it's just equality. No big deal. It's just equality we're talking about here. We equalitied ourselves, we equalitied ourselves right into drag kids dancing on Good Morning America while the cr crowd cheers. We equalitied ourselves right into Nickelodeon, a child's channel, a channel designed for children's programming. When I grew up watching Nickelodeon, you know what I used to watch on Nickelodeon? The old black and white videos. That's what they used to play on Nickelodeon. My mother could let me if, it, if I was allowed to watch TV time. It was, I was watching the Andy Griffith Show. What are your kids watching today on Nickelodeon? Here's what they're watching. Represent transgender people because every letter in LGBTQ plus is equal And black and brown represent the queer and trans people of color Doesn't it just fill you with pride Showing who you are on the inside That's what our kids get. How did we let that happen? We were really nice. We were live and let live. Hey, do what you want. We allowed the foot in the door, and now this filth is everywhere. Your kids on TikTok? How much time your kids spend watching TikTok? You know they got one billion people on TikTok. On top of the fact it's Chinese spyware, TikTok's already announced they're going to be pushing all this LGBTQ filth everywhere. Kids going to enjoy that? Are those your values? Look, hey, this, this all comes home to me, too. Dagon Marine Corps got in on it today. Woke up first thing, every single person who has my cell phone number or email address has sent me gigantic tweet from the once, the few, the proud, the Marines. They used to put wanted po or recruiting posters out that saying, we don't promise you a Rose Garden. Join the Marines. Get hard. Get tough. Now, it's Gay Pride Month. Woohoo! You see, your grandfather, he was a Marine. He went to Tarawa. The guy who led his platoon was a hard-charging man trying to kill as many Japanese people as possible. Make sure your grandfather got home. Your son, he'll sail to the Pacific and go to war too, only he'll be on the USNS Harvey Milk. And it's everywhere. It's way beyond the Marines. It's way beyond Nickelodeon. You can't sit down on a Sunday turn on professional sports anymore. We've talked endlessly about NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball. They're all disgusting filth. Greg Abbott, governor of Texas, showed up at a NASCAR event. NASCAR puts out some gigantic thing today, apologizing for it and somehow bringing up LGBTQ people. Now, how's that happen? How's that humanly possible? How is it possible that something like NASCAR, where, I mean, honestly, NASCAR fans, 
90% of them don't agree with this kind of crap at all. 90%, probably 90% plus, plus. But NASCAR still feels comfortable putting out something like that. Why do they feel comfortable putting out something like that? Because of you and because of me. Because we still sit down on Sunday and we just choose to let this stuff go. Well, I can't. My dad watched Dale Earnhardt. I got to watch Junior out there. And we turn on NASCAR and we enjoy because we sit back and we watch the NFL still. Oh, I don't care. Dump on America. Dump on America. Hey, man, I got my fantasy team. We've done this. We don't vote with our dollars. They do. Corporate America knows it, too. All these Ivy League degree communist universities, they go right into professional sports now, and they start putting this filth in those boardrooms for two different reasons. One, they're communists. They're cultural Marxists. That's what they do. They serve a higher calling than money in their eyes. And two, you and me, we do not put our money where our morals are. We still won't make basic sacrifices. If every NASCAR fan who disagreed with that walked away and turned off the television, this stuff would stop overnight. But instead, <laughs> it's tradition, man. Got to go with my uncle. Well, enjoy the rot of your culture and society in the United States of America. We've done this. I mean, I'm, I'm about to bring on Eric Kaufman here to go over some of this stuff. But understand, if you, if you feel like you're seeing more and more of this, you are. And if you feel like more and more people are turning out this way, they are. And why are they? Because they're being culturally incentivized to do so. And we're not disincentivizing it at all. Culture is not complicated. You get more of what you incentivize and less of what you disincentivize. We push this filth everywhere. It's all over the place today. You can't walk five steps without getting bombarded with it. And we're shocked that generations now, 20, 30% turning out this way. The death of a nation. This is the end of our country if we don't stop it. And look at that. Look at those numbers. Under 30, we're talking there's a 20% chance they're going to come out as all the LGBT. You understand, I mean, whatever you believe about that, you understand that is the death of a nation. You can't reproduce enough to continue having a country. This is the end if we don't reverse this collision course we're on with the end. I don't have a better way to put it. Joining me now, Eric Kaufman. He's a professor at the University of London, also the author of the book White Shift, Populism, Immigration, and the Future of White Majorities. Eric, we've been told, I mean, we've had this beaten over our heads since I was a child, that there are no choices made. It's born this way, born this way. Well, I would like to know why we've gone from around 2% to 20%. Eric, you're the expert. I'm not. Please explain it to me. Well, yeah, I mean, I think what we see is, in fact, a lot of this rise is really about social identification rather than sexual behavior. So um, it, it, what, what we can see since 2008 is that the graph of uh, people identifying as LGBT has gone up 11 points, whereas the proportion report same-sex partners has gone up by four points, and that's probably deflatable to about three points when we bear in mind the rising share that haven't had any sexual partners amongst young people. So the rise in actual same-sex behavior at the blue line there is just much less dramatic. Uh, and even that may be overstated a little bit because of the way these surveys tend to over oversample LGBT. So yeah, I guess the first message is you're getting a lot of people who are choosing 
to identify as LGBT, particularly uh, bisexuals. That's the biggest growth category, which tends to be f predominantly female. Uh, and of course, one of the things we see is if you look at female bisexuals, the share of the female bisexual women under 30 who say they have only had male partners, that is conventional heterosexual behavior, has increased from about 13% in 2008 10 to uh, a majority, 55% by 2018-21. And that's kind of telling us that a lot of women uh, who are saying they're LGBT are in fact behaving in a conventional heterosexual way. Um, and so a big part of the story here is the choice uh, to self-identify. Now, I think some on the liberal side would say, well, this is only because now they're allowed to identify but that, that really doesn't explain the pattern very well uh, of this divergence between same-sex behavior and growing LGBT identity. Okay, so how, how am I supposed to connect the dots there? Connect these dots for me. So we, so we clearly have a bunch of kids who are saying they're something when they're not? Do I take it that it is that? So if you're not, then why would you say it? Is this is simply societal pressures? Is that what we're seeing? Yeah, I mean, I think whereas one theory would say, oh, there's the, the societal pressure, it's now tolerant so people can be out. I suppose a lot of the evidence in my report would suggest actually there may be pressure or at least cachet uh, to identifying as LGBT because it perhaps makes you more interesting. Perhaps it's a political thing. Um, and so one of the things we really see is that this rise is heavily concentrated amongst people who say they are very liberal. Whereas amongst the rest of that blue line between 2016 and 2021 is a sort of 20 plus point rise in LGBT identity amongst the fifth of young people who call themselves very liberal. Whereas for the other four fifths, there's been very little change. And so within that very liberal group, it's become kind of more, uh, perhaps it's a status issue, perhaps it's a political issue to identify yourself as not being heterosexual and therefore being different. Um, and so I think th and that has a number of implications. The fact is taking place so heavily within that very liberal um, fifth means that its impact overall is going to be reduced. So it's not going to change the political balance in the country very much um, because really it's all largely happening within this very liberal strand. Uh, but of course, it does raise the question of, you know, if people can choose to be uh, LGBT, if sort of social uh, incentives are such to, that they can sort of choose to be LGBT, can they perhaps choose also other kinds of identities, including uh, being anxious and depressed? And of course, this is this leads on to this whole question of mental health, because in the most recent data, we have over three fourths of young people who identify as LGBT, according to Derek Thompson at The Atlantic uh, and, and the CDC data, over three quarters are saying that they are um, feeling depressed, uh, you know, most of the time, almost all the time, sorry, sad or hopeless, I should say. Three and four uh, of that, again, much larger, 20%, as we said, LGBT share, are saying they feel sad or hopeless, so have mental health problems. One of the things that you can see in the data is people who identify as very liberal uh, have a much higher rate of reporting mental health issues, sort of twice the rate of people who are, say, moderate or conservative. And what's occurred really since 2010 uh, is we've seen a disproportionate jump in the uh, reported mental health problems amongst those who are very liberal and those who are LGBT. You can see uh, those bars that the, under the very liberal in blue, 
2010-12 to uh, Orange 2014-18, there's been a jump, whereas amongst others, moderates, conservatives, heterosexuals, there's no real change. Uh, between 2010 and 2018, that's pre-pandemic. No one doubts the pandemics hit everybody hard. But that's sort of telling us, I think, something that there is a link between being very liberal uh, and sort of, to some degree, identifying yourself as uh, having be, being mentally ill, as well as identifying yourself as being LGBT. And these three things are all kind of connected, and yet there is almost no attention being paid to this. It is conceivably a big problem because even though we know most of the people who identify as LGBT are not practicing same-sex behavior, and likewise, a lot, no doubt, of those people who are identifying as mentally ill may not be seriously mentally ill, to the extent that it actually does lead to concrete behavior, which is a minority, but to the extent it is actually encouraging, Uh, a decline in mental health, that is something we really need to worry about. And we need to think about what the culture is doing. What is the youth culture? What are the messages that are being sent out here that might actually be worsening mental health amongst these at-risk groups? Uh, And that really is something that hasn't received much attention. There have been some studies that notice that very liberal people have worse mental health, but very little attempt to actually dig in and understand why that's happening. Okay, a couple questions for me. One, why will no one dig in to why that's happening? And two, maybe more importantly, you say, or at least I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I guess I can assume a lot of people are identifying who aren't really. They just are doing it because it's the fad or pressure or whatever the case may be. Is there a chance they're also claiming to be anxious or depressed because that's a fad too? Or is that not realistic to think? I think it actually is realistic, even though there's no real research that I'm aware of, that that if it makes you more interesting to say, you know, that I have anxiety or, you know, I'm a bit depressed uh, or or I'm LGBT, you know, maybe those things kind of set you out from the crowd in a culture that really values difference uh, and divergence. Well, of course, that then has a lot of implications. I mean, what we see of course, in the study is, yes, a lot of people, for a lot of people, it is simply signaling and it's a pose. But for a certain minority, it actually does change behavior and it does change emotions. And I think that's where, particularly on the mental health front, we need to be uh, concerned if this, if people are thinking themselves into uh, states of anxiety or depression, and that is actually a, a feedback loop that, that they're actually reinforcing Um, then that's something we need to talk about. And I think the reason we're not talking about it is because the people who study these things, as, you know, there have been a lot of surveys um, about, uh, you know, uh, political opinion in in academia. Uh, Academia in these subjects will lean left by something like 12, 13 to 1. There have been a number of studies using voter registration data. And so it's simply going to be very difficult to publish anything if you're suggesting that very liberal people are in some ways, if that's making people mentally ill, I just don't think that's going to see the light of day in an academic journal. Yeah, makes it hard to get any truth. Eric Hoffman, that was so informative. Thank you so much. Please come back soon. Thanks so much, Jesse. That was a lot of information. I'm smarter. I'm going to take all that and act like it was my idea. No, I'm kidding, but that was really good. All right, well, hey, all that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. The first very own Mike Slater is going to join us next to continue this conversation and other things. Now, that was a lot of ugliness. Let's talk about something beautiful. Maybe. No, I'm kidding. Quit. Let's talk about Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Greatest air purifier ever. I...
You know why they call it a thunderstorm? You know, when you go out in nature after a rainstorm and the air smells so clean you can taste it, it's nature's way of cleaning out the air, right? Eden Pure does that inside of your home. Look, I want you to take the smelliest room in the house. Maybe you have sons like I do. That'll probably be your smelliest room. Maybe you have a litter box somewhere, wherever. Pick your smelliest room, go plug one in and come back in an hour and tell me what you think. I get emails every day thanking me for this, thanking me for an air purifier. Go get a three-pack. They have a three-pack for sale for my viewers. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the code JESSE. That gets you three of them for under $200. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. We'll be back. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. The data and suggest that you're enjoying a competitive advantage. What do you say to that? There's a lot of factors that go into a race and how how well you do. And the biggest change for me is that I'm happy. And sophomore year, um, where I had my best times competing with the men, I was miserable. And so having that be lifted is incredibly relieving and allows me to put my all into training, into racing. He can put his all into it now. He's balls he's ball deep in swimming. Joining me now, Mike Slater. Obviously, we know Mike Slater right here at the first. He has a special this Friday on mental health. We have a mental health crisis. He's also um, somebody who speaks out against this stuff a lot. Mike, all right, in all seriousness, every single person watching looks at that, and they know what they're seeing. They know it's not right. They know it's not normal. They know it's not good for a country. Setting aside women's sports, this is bad for society. Yet this stuff continues apace. Why? Uh, let me, I'll answer that. Let me speak to him first. He doesn't care about anything except him. So back in the day, we used to all agree and worship God. God was the center of our lives, the center of our focus, the center of our culture. Remove God, and now we have this empty void, and everybody's filled it with the self. So all he's doing is worshiping self. Notice the question was, do you have an advantage in swimming? And his answer was, I feel happy. That's all that matters is how I feel. There's nothing about truth no objective standards, nothing outside of me, and that includes other people. Other people don't matter. It's all about me and how I feel. And that is a mental health, that is a major problem for the entire country right now. It's just flaming narcissism and selfishness. And that's a perfect example right there. Well, look, I, I don't disagree with you at all, Mike, but I'm the most selfish human being on the planet, and I don't <laughs> want to chop my penis off and go swim with a bunch of women. It's gotta be deeper than that, right? 
it is a de- it's a depth of narcissism I don't think we've ever seen. Right? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, like h- how much worse can it get than this? And now it's like a, it's a whole movement that's an embraced by everyone. Actually, I think last time we talked, Jesse, I talked about how uh, the religion of the day is moral therapeutic deism. That's that's what everyone believes in. And and the most important principle is to be nice. Right? You must be nice at all times. So that reporter can never question him on what he says because that would be uh, mean. I don't want to step on any toes. I don't want any feelings. Yeah. And I think that's why everyone else is embracing it just because they don't want to be mean at all. They got to be the nice guy at all times. So people like this are getting away with it when in the past they wouldn't have because most people would have been like you. Like I like to look at this stuff and try to think how my grandpa would have responded. Like my grandpa was like this, like a regular guy, like a roofer. Like like he wouldn't have like put up with this. And you know who else wouldn't have put up with this? The parents of the other swimmers. Right? Like the way this would have been resolved 50 years ago, 20 years ago, is all the dads on the women's swim team would have stood at the door of the pool and said, sorry, Will, you can't swim against our daughters. And that would have been the end of it. But we can't do that anymore because it's not nice. So everyone gets away with it and madness wins. So fathers, I, I mean, I do believe fathers still love their daughters, but they won't do this. What is it? Why, Mike? Is it that sweet scholarship yeah. money? Is it social shame? Why won't a father stand up for his daughter? Oh, wow, that's such a good question. There's no scholarships in the Ivy League, so it's not money. No, none. The girls didn't stand up. Remember, there was like one girl on the podium from Texas who didn't applaud. That's all she did. She didn't boo. She just didn't applaud, and she was, uh, you know, criticized for it. Not one dad stood up. This entire scene, now there wasn't a dad who's who's put a stop to it, not one. Like that is so pathetic in every way. It's unbelievable. Where are the dads at the schools where where, uh, drag queens are coming in and reading to kids? Like if I could get one interview in the whole world, it would be a dad who actively brings his child to a library to have a drag queen story hour. Like who are you? But also, who are the dads who aren't stopping it? It's unbelievable. And it's maybe not that different from the police who stood outside of the elementary school, whatever, right? Like, it's a total lack of courage from men across our entire country that men are not even willing to protect their children from this insanity around them. And it's seen in many different ways. Mike, it's obviously the start of Pride Month. As I said in the opening of the show, everyone already knows that by now because you can't buy a (laughs) bag of Oreos anymore without getting barraged with this crap everywhere yep. we turn and look it's not when you're a kid it's not when i was a kid we have our, our kids have something different now my sons are 11 and 13 they have eyes they have ears they're going to see it everywhere mm. what do you tell parents now i i don't believe maybe you disagree and that's fine i don't believe we can be hands-off non-political don't talk about it anymore i i just don't i, I think those days are past sad but i think they're past what do you tell parents yeah yeah so my oldest is five so i can protect him a little more from this um yeah. First thing, you got to fill your kid's cup before the liars get to it first. So I just think of my children as like, it's like a cup. And if you avoid filling them with truth, then the first liar who comes by, the first drag queen who comes by and fills them up with whatever nonsense they can think of, that's what they're going to think is true. If they, Because they got there first. And there's no excuse, parents, for you letting someone who hates you and your values and your children to get to your kids first ahead of you. You have to get there first and fill them up with truth so that when the other evil people come in and try to pour in their lies, it doesn't even, there's no room for it because your kid's already filled with truth. Silly, perhaps, example, but it's because my kid's young. Um, uh, pride flags, the, the rainbow flags, whatever, they're all over the place. My kids see a rainbow flag, 
and they think of Noah and God's promise that he's never gonna flood the earth again and God loves you. We fill that up first before someone can come in and tell them that it's like men who like to have sex with men or what, you know what I mean? We got there ahead of them. And I do think there's also a role of making sure you curate your kids' inputs uh, in their life. And you can't trust anyone at all to do this for you. You can't trust Disney. There's nothing you can trust. Like if you go to YouTube Kids, it's all pride content. It's all gay, everything. It's everywhere. So you have to get in front of it and you have to fill your kids with the truth and you have to protect them as much as you can uh, for as long as you can. I don't see anything wrong with that. But to leave them out to the wolves because you want to be the cool parent or whatever, no, 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 those days are gone. Mike, what about all these companies? What do we do about that? I mean, I wasn't making that up about Oreos. I haven't bought them since, and I freaking love Oreos. Sent my son in the grocery store, go get some Oreos. <laughs> he comes back, he said, Dad, why are they all rainbow colored now? And I, I just, I hate it. We got NASCAR, it doesn't matter. Everywhere you turn now, what am I, the American citizen, supposed to do? Because I feel surrounded and I feel helpless. Yeah, uh, live on the commune <laughs> off the grid, yeah. uh, which is like every man's dream right now. Like I talk to so many men who just want to like give up on all that and just like go and like raise their families like the right way. Um, I, I can tell you this first thing: this is all part of the plan. Okay. Actually, I'm gonna disregard. I'm gonna contradict what I just said a second. It's all part of the plan. There was a book written in 1987. It was actually a magazine article uh, by two Harvard grads, uh, and the, it turned into a book called After the Ball. And it's all about the beginnings of the gay lobby and how we're gonna make homosexuality normal in America, right? And it lays out an eight-step plan that the gay rights lobby has done to a T, just absolutely perfect. And the very first thing that they, they say is they, they, they quote, speak as loudly and as often as possible about homosexuality, normalize it, destigmatize it, uh, desensitize it, make it everywhere nonstop all the time. Literally, as you said, bombard people with homosexuality and make it normal. This was their plan back in the 80s and they've done it to an absolute T. As you said, you can't even go through the grocery store. So we can't give up. And that's where I'm gonna contradict the joke I made a second ago. You can't give up on this. Do not just as a parent be like, well, it's everywhere, whatever. You have to stand for the truth. You have to have the courage to maybe not be popular, say something that is against what your, what your kids, uh, 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 drag queen teachers, transgender teachers are saying. You have to stand up for the truth, have the courage to do it when no one else will. And even if that means you're the remnant, the few of us who are willing to do that, we cannot give up on this fight, parents, because your children's souls are on the line with this if you give them up to the wolves. Mike Slater, his special on mental health airs this Friday. Highly recommend. Mike, thank you, brother. You're the man, Jeff. Tough conversations. Gonna have to have tough conversations now. We avoided having those tough conversations for decades. Now your kid watches drag queens on Nickelodeon. Time for tough conversations. All right, we got <laughs> more tough talk about the economy in just a second. Before we talk about that, let's talk about putting your money where your morals are. We just asked Mike about sharing your values, only patronizing companies that share your values, you're surrounded, all those things. Where do you get your health insurance? No judgment. I put a lot of money into health insurance companies that didn't share my values. You know one share health is out there though now. You're not gonna sacrifice coverage, great coverage, amazing prices. One share health is a faith-based health insurance company with all the options you need, and they're not gonna spend this month or any month 
dumping all over the things you care about. Go to my.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly, promo code Jesse Kelly, and stop sending your health insurance money to people who hate you, huh? We'll be back. Remember when Joe Biden got elected and he started putting all these idiot communists in important positions? And before we get to this, let's talk about Janet Yellen, who he promptly made Treasury Secretary. You know how I always say the system takes care of its own? Well, this is what I mean by that. If it seems like the Biden administration officials don't care that they're trashing the country and trashing his party's chances of getting reelected and all these things, it's because they don't care. Remember, their, their job in their mind is to destroy America. Why wouldn't Janet Yellen care if America's being destroyed? Well, last time Janet Yellen's guy got bounced from office, Janet Yellen didn't go thumbing for loose change on the side of the road. Janet Yellen promptly went to Wall Street and made over $3 million giving speeches. All you got to do is go, make a pile of money in the private sector, wait till another Democrat gets elected, go right back into destroying the country, which you've been doing. That's it. That's how they exist. And remember, these people don't have any qualifications. Now, they tell you they have qualifications, and they'll point to things like their education. You know, we always get that. Huh? You went to Harvard, ill graduate. Yeah, but all these universities are communists now training new generations of communists now. Somebody tells you they went to Harvard, you should probably look at them with more suspicion, not less. I mean, I'm an idiot. That's not exactly news. I went to community college. I worked in construction. And I told you at the very beginning of coronavirus, and I'm talking day one when we started locking down businesses, I told you, uh, you know, you can't just stop an economy and start printing money, right? It's gonna destroy everything, inflation, everything else. I told you this two years ago. Janet Yellen, remember what she said? Oh, inflation and smation. Is there a risk of inflation? Um, I, I think there's a small risk, and I think it's manageable. I don't anticipate that inflation is going to be a problem, but it is something that we're watching very carefully. Oops. We have inflation. We have Lots and lots and lots of inflation. Scary inflation numbers. So why is Janet Yellen still there? It's what you're supposed to be, right? You're supposed to be the economy experts. Why your treasury secretary? My goodness, Janet, save us, please. Said we weren't going to have inflation, but we have inflation. So why is she still there? Because performance doesn't matter. Destroying the country does. Janet Yellen is a committed communist, has been for a long time. She's trying to destroy America. Janet Yellen isn't failing. Not in the eyes of the communists. Janet Yellen's doing just fine. And so they'll play these games like they're trying to play with you over and over and over again about, well, nobody knew there'd be inflation when everybody knew. Or they'll do this thing where they'll, they'll, they'll blame Putin. It's Putin's fault still. Does President Biden take any responsibility for his policies potentially contributing to inflation. His policies has helped the economy get back on its feet. That's what his policy has his policies has done. Um, this, when we talk about the gas prices right now, this is indeed Putin's gas hike. 
This is what we have seen in the most recent months of, of what we've seen at the gas pump. Putin's gas hike. Remember, all that pain, all that inflation, all these gas prices. I'm looking at $6.20 a gallon averages in California. The national average is four sixty-seven, And the Biden administration, they watch American families being slaughtered, having to adjust their lives because of this. And you know what they do? Hey, what hashtag should we put on it, guys? Not a care in the world. They're trying to wreck us. The destruction is intentional, and it's working. 31% of people are driving less. 21% are delaying retirement. 23% canceling vacations. 42% doing less grocery shopping. 46% are dining less. We are having, we are watching the destruction of the standard of living of the average American in the Biden administration. It's not that they don't care. I mean, honestly, we'd prefer they just don't care. Instead, they're cheering. Don't let them get away with Putin. I know you won't. But also don't let them get away with, ah, we didn't know. They know. They know. They did go to Harvard and Stanford. They can read. They understand the destruction their policies are causing. They don't care. In fact, they're cheering for it. The destruction is intentional. We have a lot more for you. We're going to talk about a very, very corrupt system next. Remember, talking about the destruction is intentional. The most dangerous thing happening in the world right now is Western governments aiming their sights at you. These people aren't sitting around a table right now thinking about how to solve inflation. What do we do? They're sitting around thinking about how to solve the problem of you. Remember that. All right. Now let's talk about something else. Let's talk about financial vulnerability. I mean, you want to talk about hard times. I just read all the numbers. Times are getting that way. Do you have a home? Do you feel like getting an eviction notice on your door? I know what you're probably saying. Jesse, I, I make my payments. It's not going to happen to me. No, you don't understand home title theft. I thought that exact same thing. And I opened up my email one day and I looked at it. That's my home title with my signature on it. Home title theft is real. It is destroying people. It's getting people evicted from your home. Your home title's online. They will find it. They will hack into it. They will forge your signature on it, take loans out against your home, and get you kicked out of your house and bankrupt. Go to HomeTitleLock.com so it doesn't happen to you. When you sign up, they will detect any tampering and shut it down immediately. Protect yourself. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. Black Lives Matter. 50 Secret Service agents were injured. None of those people are in jail right now. I'll tell you who is, though. The nephew of Cynthia Hughes. Cynthia joins me now. She's on the board of the Patriot Freedom Project. Cynthia, who's your nephew and where is he? Hi, Jesse. Thank you for having me. Um, my nephew is Timothy Howe. He is in the D.C. we call Gitmo. Um, he has been there for 17 months on nonviolent charges. He was just found guilty of, of obstruction um, on Friday of last week, uh, the dreaded picture. Um, 
and now we wait till September for sentencing and we have no idea what that's going to look like right now. What was Timothy's background? Is he a violent criminal? Is that why he's been in jail for so long? Oh, no. No, he has no criminal history. And he he committed no acts of violence, no assault. He's guilty of being a Trump supporter. Tell me what his living conditions have been. Not that there's great living conditions in any jail. What are his living conditions like, Cynthia? He was in solitary confinement from January of 21 until June of 21. Literally one hour a day out of his cell. Um, then that changed and it got bumped up to about four to five hours per day. And now depending on, you know, what the mood is of the jail determines how long they get to be out of their jail cell. So some days it's three hours, some days it's four. Um, I just spoke to him right before we got on the call. Um, he was out for a few hours this morning and he'll be back out hopefully a little bit later. But basically they're still in solitary confinement in DC. Good grief. All right, what's the Patriot Freedom Project? So Patriot Freedom Project, I founded Patriot Freedom Project last year after, um, you know, there, nobody was speaking out or doing anything and nobody knew where to go for support. Nobody knew where to go to connect. And I founded Patriot Freedom Project to help with, um, you know, just creating a platform where other families could go to each other and support each other. And it, next thing I know, I was talking to Dinesh D'Souza and the great Julie Kelly and it turned into something very big and we were able to help with legal fees and, and help families pay rent and mortgage, uh, COBRA payments, car payments. We helped through Christmas, through all the holidays and we, you know, we just want to keep going. We built an online mental health community um, and we just want to you know, keep, it, keep it going and, and, and make it bigger than what it is. We need it. There's nothing else out here where anybody can go and connect um, and get the services that we're providing here. We have really good support and really great people behind us, um, you know, pushing our project. Yeah. Cynthia Hughes, Patriot Freedom Project, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, tonight on Light in the Mood, we're going to do something a little different. Tonight, we're going to pay a tribute to an American hero. We're going to pay a tribute to me. Next. We lighten the mood a lot. At the end of the show, we have to. It's too heavy out there, right? But every once in a while, I thought it'd be important to dedicate a segment to me. And I know what you're saying, Jesse, but you're so humble, you never talk about yourself, and that's right. But look, every now and then, I feel like it's important to build myself up. So look, we get a lot of fan mail to the show, right? We get tons of fan mail. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Your love, your hate, your death threats, everything is welcome. We got a lovely one here <laughs> from Fred. Dear Burger Savant, my twin boys recently turned 10 years old. On their birthday, they get to pick out their birthday dinner and help make it. They chose Jesse Kelly burgers. We've had them before. They taste fantastic. My kids love making them. During the birthday meal, their younger brother started to place lettuce and tomato on his burger. 
and he was shouted down by a chorus of, don't you dare assault that burger with lettuce and tomato. <laughs> to keep up the fight, my family loves the show, he says regards Fred. One, it does occur to me that, I mean, Lord willing, I'll end up doing TV here on the first for a while, have my radio show for a while, and it'll end up with all these hours available for, for however long these things last, years and years and years, decades, right, of TV and, and radio available. I mean, my, my great-great-grandkids would probably be able to watch me on television here, I would imagine so. And yet with all that, I'm almost positive at this point in time, my longest-lasting legacy is going to be my cheeseburger recipe. And you know what? That's awesome. The thought of somebody a hundred years from now sinking their teeth into a Jesse Kelly burger fills me with pride. And allow me to just say this. One, if you're looking for the recipe, don't email me. I've done it on this show before. Just go do a search for the first TV, Jesse Kelly Burgers. It'll pop right up. There's a video of me walking through all of it. All right? It's, it's very easy. Anyone can do it. It's the best cheeseburger you'll ever eat. But two. Why did lettuce and tomato ever become a thing on a burger anyway? It's about the meat and the cheese and the bun. Nobody, nobody in the history of the world has ever bitten into a delicious cheeseburger with lettuce and tomato on it and said, oh man, the lettuce just makes this thing. It's never once happened. So go make your Jesse Kelly burger. Remember the fattiest meat you can Garlic powder, general seasoning, chipotle Tabasco, American cheese. It's a cheeseburger after all. Fresh buns, finger the buns every single time. Go home, make thin patties. Thin. And I know, fellas, I know what you're saying right now. No, I like them thick. The best burgers are thin burgers. If you want more meat on your burger, make it a double. That's fine. The, the patties should be thin. And this might be the most important thing. Drown the meat in the Chipotle Tabasco. Drown it. Don't worry about it. If you're a little girl when it comes to heat, most of that heat is going to cook off. And finally, gosh, I cannot stress this enough, a flat top. Cook your burger in either a cast iron pan is probably preferable, regular frying pan. If you have a flat top on your grill, a good burger cooks in its own fat. All right? Like a feminist on fire. I'll see you tomorrow. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. 
Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the armstrong and getty show to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 